Seated. We belong to an unshakable kingdom. That doesn't mean that we're all experiencing perhaps the relationship with God that we should have or with this kingdom. God has provided. It's not like it was with our ancestors. You remember when Moses went up on the mountain and the children of Israel were down waiting. They, they, the lightnings and the thunderings and the sounds that came off that mountain scared them to death. And when God spoke, they were afraid. They sent Moses back up. They said, we don't want to hear from him. It scares us. We're afraid. Even Moses, it says, was terribly afraid of the power of God Almighty. You know, we, we've got it so different now. We've got it so different because now Jesus has come in a new way, a, a new covenant kind of way. To where now it, it's, it's good because he lives within us and he's come to be with us and be our savior and to change our hearts and to live among us. And we, we understand the presence of God now differently than they did back then. But I wonder sometimes if it wouldn't do us good to have to go to the mountain again. Because we've gotten so careless and callous with, our pre, with the presence of God, with who he is, that sometimes I wonder if we wouldn't need a good shaking, a good shaking, just one more time. This kingdom changes us, touches us forever, turns us, transforms us, and turns us upside down. The old song I loved, I wrote these words down, I see shattered, you see whole, I see broken, but you see beautiful. You're helping me to believe. You're restoring me piece by piece. What was dead now lives again. My heart's beating, beating inside my chest. Oh, I'm coming alive with joy and destiny because you're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing the chorus says too dirty that you can't make worthy. You washed me in mercy. I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified. I am clean. That's the, that's the new covenant. That's the new covenant. That's what God gives to you and I. This year, the theme for Stratford Heights, if you remember, I always pray. And, and at the end of the year, God, I, I, I start asking him, what is what is our mission for 2019? Where are we going? And, and I feel that while this last year, souls and servants was our, our theme. And we, we went after the prodigals and we went after servants and taught about servanthood and being humble in our service to God. And that that's greatness in the kingdom. But as we did that, we weren't finished because I, I still feel like there are a lot of prodigals that still need to come home. Can I get an amen? And I, I feel like there's, we're still there. And as I was praying, I was like, Lord, what are you doing and what are you speaking and where do we go? I believe that a pastor needs to have the vision and he needs to get it. And I need to go wrestle with God to find out what that is for us. And so I believe the Lord has spoken to me and I wrote these things down. I shared it with some of the staff this week. I believe that for 2019, he's calling us, called to care is the words, as we finish the race. We're going to continue to seek after our prodigals and go after greatness in the kingdom. We're going to go after servanthood and our hearts being humble and broken before God in service. We're not going to quit, but we're going to care. We're going to get down where it's the nitty-gritty is, so to speak. We're going to get down to where authenticity and true Christianity is birthed in this church. I'm asking God to shake us real good because... If we're part of an unshakable kingdom, then we ought to be an unshakable people. 
Let me say it again. If we are part of an unshakable kingdom, then we ought to be an unshakable people. God wants a church that's real. He wants a church that exemplifies his image. And that's what we're seeking this year. I'm pl- We're always seeking this. We've been seeking this for 103 years, but I really feel in my heart that God is getting his church ready. Can you almost hear a trumpet? I can almost, in my spirit, hear a trumpet. I'm looking as never before. The times are are showing me and, and speaking out as we've come through this last year, especially. I'm telling you, the Lord is getting ready to come. Don't you forget Maranatha. Don't you forget that Jesus is coming soon. We've got to be on the firing line. We've got to be authentic and real. And we need to be a part of an unshakable kingdom in a day when the enemy is coming at us from every angle. He is doing his best to weaken the church, to cause the church to be complacent and lazy. He's doing everything he can to try to cause us to not be effective in these last days. But last time I remember reading about it, he said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church that's built on Christ. That truth is what we're building this congregation on. You're looking at a church. You're praying about a church. You're wanting to seek what God wants for your life. Let me tell you a little bit about this one. As long as I'm pastor of this church, I am driven by the passion that we be a fired up church ready at any time to speak why we believe in the power and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe that we ought to be an effective church. There ought to be fruit on the tree. Change in the heart. There ought to be all. This, we ought to be the real deal when it comes to serving God. And I believe that. Jesus said when he preached one of the most beautiful messages in the word, you've heard the Beatitudes. And it was in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 that Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, with Jesus, it's way more important, the heart, than it is what's happening on the outside. He cares more about who we are as opposed to what we do and what we look like on the outside. With Jesus, it's about purity of heart. That's what this ministry is about. That's what we're doing with this ministry and several others that we're going to be initiating and kicking off here in a couple of weeks. As a pastor, I've I've had to deal with this in in one situation after another where there are people dealing with anxiety and emotional distress and and all kinds of different uh, and mental kind of feelings and we've got a mental health Sunday coming up because as never before people are wrestling and fighting depression and discouragement and all kinds of things failing their hearts failing for fear you can just see it in their eyes and hear it in their voices and 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 as a pastor we're praying and we're dealing with these people we're living in a time where the enemy's pulling every tool he's got out of his bag to try to deflect the the church away from the truth of Jesus is the answer. Doing everything they can. This world is is crazy where they're at right now. But God wants to touch our lives. He wants to set us free. We're doing Shalom again in February where we minister to the homeless families that come and are a part of us. It was a wonderful week last year. Seven days we all spent together. All of our ministries shut down. That week all of our ministries pray for and help serve where possible and we help come and be here to minister to over 30 families that come through Shalom and we're signed up to do it again this year. I think it's okay that we stop our 
our meeting long enough to go minister to someone who's hurting, don't you? <laughs> to be the real deal, called to care, called to care, called to care for the people who are hurting, covenant living, daring to step into a bold place where other churches are like, no, 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 we can't talk about that. No, we can't let that, that's a taboo subject. We can't, really, don't, let's not do that, that's humiliating. All right, did you see the statistics? Seven out of ten men in this room are dealing or struggling or have had that kind of issue in their life. What? Are you kidding me? This is big. It's huge. But somehow we put on our clean little face, our perfect little life, and we wear our mask and we come to church and glory, hallelujah, praise God, when we don't, we're not honest about our struggles. And that means we're not authentic. And that means that when the shaking comes along, we're not found standing when it's all done. I believe that if we're going to be a part of an unshakable kingdom, we've got to get to the place where we're solid as a rock built on Christ. That's what we've got to have. Matthew 28 and 25 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, and the outside will then be clean also. It's important that we understand the heart is what, is what you are. The inside of you, that's who you really are. And when we as a church say, okay, you know what, we're going to get down right where everybody lives. We're going to be the real deal. We're going to clean out the bottom of the pool, so to speak. And that means all the junk's got to come up top. When we realize and know we've got to do the hard work of being authentic and real because that's where the real power is in the church. The church that will face the very gates of hell and they'll not prevail against her is the church that is built on truth, built on reality, authenticity, and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And I am determined that we're going to see it. I'm thrilled today. I don't want to embarrass him, but I'm looking out here and seeing Dustin. I've been in the hospital, in the ICU, with that boy barely hanging on to life. But you know what? Prayers of a mother and family have got that boy here, and he's sitting in the pew this morning. I believe there's still power in the name of Jesus, power in the church, power for you to overcome, and there's no devil in hell can take away the power of God at work in you if you'll just surrender. If we'll surrender to the work of God in our lives, he wants to show the church. But it starts with that heart. It's all inside the heart. Well, how's your heart? Who are you when nobody's looking? Character, integrity. Who are you? This is, you, you wonder why you can't get a prayer out. You wonder why you feel like you're praying and it didn't go higher in the ceiling. You wonder why you, you look oh, for year after year after year and you don't really see anything supernatural. You really don't see anything powerful. There's nothing really going on in your life. Well, maybe it's time to check your life. How's your heart? in the secrecy of your thoughts and feelings, that place where you, who you are when nobody's looking, nobody but God, that place where God knows you, he wants to get in there, you know it's, it's beautiful to see the landscaping in people's yards, I, I like to look at landscaping, I'm not very good at it myself, but I like looking at yours, <laughs> and I dream of one day, you know, being a gardener. In my free time. <laughs> but it's so important to 
to the work. I, I, I had a, a container plant that, that died this year, and I was, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was very sad. I, I was trying really hard. I, I kept watering it, watering it, watering it, watering it, watering it. It turned real pretty yellow, and uh, it ended up, someone looked at it, and, and my brother-in-law, Marty, who was like a botanist or something, he looked at it, and he goes, well, they're in Florida, by the way, whatever. <laughs> but he, he said, Ray, you, you've rotted the root. And I said, I have fed that thing every day. And he said, that's the problem. <laughs> but see, the root, the root is just as important as what's on the outside. The roots usually go as deep or as wide as what's growing up top. When you and I see a tree in someone's yard, if you look underneath the ground, then the root system usually will cover the length of that yard. God cares about the invisible root of your heart just as much as he does the visible branch of your life. Somebody ought to tweet that. That's good. I like that. 1 Samuel 16 and 7, the Lord said to Samuel in reference to Jesse's sons, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. We've got to allow him to shake us. You see, the only way to be part of an unshakable kingdom, as I said earlier, and be an unshakable people, is to let a shaking happen in our lives. The way you find out what's unshakable is to shake it. <laughs> Mind blowing. The way to figure out what is unshakable is to bring a shaking. You know, I used to always say, boy, the devil, he's after me this week. I've had a one attack after another. I've just had to get on my face. I've had to pray every day. The devil has just been after me. I've said those things through the years. And it was many, many years ago I finally learned something. Sometimes the Lord lets the shaking come. Sometimes the shaking's from him. Because he wants me to become unshakable. So he throws a few things at me so that I get on my face, so that I get humble and I get broken. And I, pride disappears and arrogance disappears. Selfish ambition dies in me. Every now and again, he's got to kill the flesh inside me. And the, the shaking comes from God. We've got to submit ourselves. There's so many things that God's doing in us. As we're called to care this year, I mentioned covenant living, shalom, mental health, the respite ministry. Sarah Sargent, her family goes here, and it's so wonderful. If you've ever seen little Taylor that sits back here in her wheelchair on Sunday mornings, there's nothing I love more than to hear her worship. I love to hear her worship. She's got such a heart for God and such a beautiful little girl. And I'm so thankful for her and Sarah. They've, got, they've had that challenge in their lives and all their lives since... Taylor was a little girl, and, and as they've done that, they've come to understand and respect and honor uh, that work, the, the, call, the calling to be a caregiver in the lives of others. And she started a ministry many years ago, and they've come to our church over the last year, and she met with me and asked me if this ministry might be valuable here. And as soon as I heard about it, I fell in love with it, and we're going to do it, the respite ministry. Yeah, amen. You already know what it is. 
We've already got it on the calendar, and we'll be needing about 150 volunteers to come together to help families who have this kind of challenge. And they've got this kind of caregiving that they're doing for children and for their, for their family members. And they, they'll come, and what happens is they come, and they bring their family. They trust. We've got it worked out with the right medical folks here and the right kind of help that they need. And for about four hours or so, we just let the parents go eat, go to a movie, go shopping, go hang out, go on a date with their mate, you know, whatever. And I was touched mostly by one testimony that Sarah told me about, told us about. She said there was one lady who was so exhausted. She came and she checked her child in and she got it all, was all worried to make sure everything was right. And when she got it all settled and everything was done, she kissed her, her, her child and she turned and she just went and found a dark place somewhere in the church with a couch by a wall, and she just went to sleep. We don't know what people go through. We have no idea what they go through, but God is giving us an opportunity to care, called to care, to be the real deal, to be authentic, to get down where people are really hurting, whether that's sexual addictions, not be afraid to call it out, not be afraid to say, hey, it's time to take the mask off. It's time to get free. It's time for you to enjoy your life again and not have to live in the dark. It's time for you to know and understand what it means to hear breaking of chains in your life. It's awesome. <laughs> Counseling ministry. We, we wrote a, we did a series about a year and a half ago. It's called Healthy Things Grow. We need to be free. We need to be a right representation of God. We need to understand the heart of God is crucial. He, the heart that in us is crucial to God. Jesus wants to make sure that what he went to Calvary for is effective in our lives. He didn't die on the cross just to give you a religion. He died on the cross to give you redemption. That's what he died for. He wants us to understand the power of what the cross really means and that authenticity and that reality in the church is what is driving us now. I've made this uh, statement last Sunday and I want to say it again. I said if you're not living life to the full, then you've been robbed. If you are not living an abundant life, if you're not living a life of, of life and life more abundant, if you're not living in that fullness that God has promised in his word, he said the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundant. That promise from God, if you and I are not living in that, if our church is not living in that, I'm so thankful for the move of the Holy Ghost this morning. I love that. I'm a spirit-filled man, and I love the moving of the Holy Ghost. I love it when it when I sense him and feel him moving and working in a service. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not bothered by it. I'm not worried what somebody's going to think. I remember back at Pentecost, they said, they're a bunch of crazy people. You keep believing that while they're all protesting testing and climbing up on statues and they're tearing each other down and ripping each other to shreds, killing each other left and right. A policeman's not even allowed to drive down the road without worrying that he's going to be dead by nightfall. When we understand the chaos, the evil, the wickedness out there, let me have my dance. Let me have my Lord, my shout, and my Holy Ghost. Because I feel there is a, a return back to the things that really matter. There's a shaking in the church. There's a shaking in the church, and the church is going to stand through it all. When the chaos is gone and all the people, are, they've, they've 
thrown their lives away and they're standing out on the brink of their tragedies and their horrors. Their bodies are bruised and battered by drugs and alcohol. They're completely thrown away. They don't even have a right mind to think and to say the right things. They don't have the normal right kind of affection for their families and for their friends and for life. They don't care about anything. All they care about is the next fix. All they care about is the next thing that they're going for. They're so full of pride and self-ambition, they've lost all sense of reality. And we look at them and we are carrying within us the covenant blessing, the blood covenant of God, Jesus Christ, that can set them free. We've got to be the real deal. There needs to be a shaking. There needs to be a shaking. Why? Because we represent him. We are Zion representatives. And we're part of an unshakable kingdom. So our... We ought to be people of expectation. That's why it's why I came in this morning. I got up in the baptistry. We baptized people this morning in first service, and it was awesome. And the music was going, and that, and I climbed up into the baptistry, and I go down into the water, and and they're singing, "Take me down to the river." And, and I'm like, I'm envisioning John the Baptist, and I'm thinking of Jesus coming over the hill, and my hands are up, tears are running down my face, and, and, and I haven't even baptized anybody yet. I'm just standing in the river, and I'm like, take me down to the river, Lord. And I'm like, I'm so happy to be in the house of God. I'm so happy to be in the presence of God. I'm so happy that I'm a child of God, that I'm smart enough, and I've somehow in my life, I've got it figured out that I need to surrender everything to him, and I did, and he changed my life and changed my mind, changed my steps, and now I'm a child of the Lord living and walking in the destiny that he's promised for me. I'm sorry if you haven't found it, but don't you dare condemn me, attack me, or taunt after me. I am happy and joyful, joy unspeakable, and full of glory, filled with the purpose and destiny of my life, and I have found that he's there every time I turn around. He's been a good, good father. Everywhere he's blessed me coming in, he's blessed me going out. I have had a revelation at 11 o'clock at night to go pray with a boy on the side of the road who was getting ready to go into eternity. I still am blown away by the way he speaks to me and he opens up revelation and uses us to do crazy, awesome, wonderful things. In my life, I've had one supernatural experience and encounter after another. I could write a book about all the things that he has done, but here's the good news. He is no respecter of persons. He wants you to have the same experience and encounter that anybody else has ever had. You say Daniel was in the lion's den and the lion's mouths were shut by the angel. And the king came running out. Daniel, Daniel, has your, has your God saved you overnight? And Daniel spoke up and said, King, live forever. For the Lord has sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth. You say, well, that was Daniel. The three Hebrew children thrown in the fire, well, that was the Hebrew children. So, you know what they were? People. <gasps> they were people. Ordinary, regular people. God wants his church to stand up when the winds blow. When the enemy comes against you, when the tide seems to be turning, and all kinds of trouble coming down your street, he wants you to stand up. Not because you're strong, but because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wants us to stand 
when adversity comes. The enemy wants to taunt you and make fun of you. He wants to laugh at you and ridicule you. He wants to tear your faith down and make it zero. And when you believe it, your faith becomes zero. There's a bunch of weak Christians walking around. There are churches packed full of weak, complacent, lazy, good-for-nothing Christians wearing masks. And everybody's looking at each other. Hallelujah. Glory. Praise the Lord. And they're all just playing this big old game. If you know anything about me, and, and, and if you're visiting, this is who I am. I don't like religion. Never have, never will. You're like, isn't he a preacher? That's kind of an uh, oxymoron, isn't it? No, because I don't think Jesus liked religion either. I think he liked the idea that we would have relationship with him. I got a relationship with God. I found him to be real, and I have found him to be my friend. The Bible says it's closer than a brother. He wakes me up in the morning. He shares with me along the way. He tells me sometimes which way to go here and where to go there. He's giving me pictures and revelations. I'm telling you, he wants to minister to the people. He wants this church to be a powerhouse, a firehouse for him. He wants us to fight fire out there with the fire of his all-consuming nature. He wants us to fight against the enemy. And when the enemy comes at you and says, shut up, you're crazy, you're a lunatic, he wants you to stand up and get louder than you were when he told you to shut up. If he tells you to sit down, I'm going to stand up. If he tells you to stop running, I'm going to run even farther than I was before. He tells me to move, I'm going to stand flat-footed. I am not letting the enemy taunt me, make fun of me, put me down any longer. I belong to the he- to the heavenly band of believers. I am part of the citizenship of glory. I have been set free by the power of Jesus Christ and there ain't a devil in hell that's going to keep me from my destiny. Come on. I feel like I'm almost like a New Yorker. <laughs> About to break into another accent. You never know who I'm going to be. Sometimes I'm Australian, sometimes I'm country. (laughs) Somebody asked me not too long ago, they said, Pastor, I got a question. I said, yeah. They said, why is it whenever you talk about hypocrites, you talk real hillbilly? (laughs) I said, no, it has nothing to do with my my family. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm just kidding, just kidding. I said, well, I don't know why I do that because my family's all from Tennessee and they're, they're kind of ridge runners is what we call Tennessee folks. So I don't know why I do that, I just do. But, you know, the thing about it is what's important is that we understand we are Zion representatives. And I see the time, and I've got to get finished here. We're his people, and we're part of this, this unshakable kingdom, which means that when the enemy comes our way, we don't ignore him. We're not afraid of him. There's too many Christians walking around like, oh, don't say that, devil. Ooh. If you could see the demons that's tormenting you, you'd get bold. If you could see the weak, fragile, frail things that they are, you'd get a lot bolder in your life. When Jesus, nowhere, nowhere in Scripture does Jesus ever say, be careful. He, he doesn't ever just, all he ever says is just stay alert. Just stay alert. Be sober. Just stay awake. Spiritually. Stay awake. Because the enemy, he comes in. Like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. 
But he also says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I will lift up a standard against him. He says, if you resist him, he'll run. It doesn't say he'll leave you alone. It doesn't say he'll back up, get pouty face. It says he'll run. He'll flee. If we only knew the power of a church that comes trusting, all I know is that we are his ambassadors. We represent Jesus. We represent heaven. We represent Zion. And we are part of an unshakable kingdom. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion. Help me. Play something, Gary. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Receive, receive this encouragement today. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. And why take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what will we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? Clothed for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. Over and over again we hear, if he takes care and he feeds the birds of the air, if he has them in the palm of his hand, if he takes care of this earth, keeps it spinning on its axis like he does, giving you a beautiful, hot, wonderful Ohio summer and giving you a good merry Christmas with snow on the rooftop in the winter, if he can keep us so far away from the sun and yet close enough to give us the four seasons, I think he can take care of what you're going through today. I believe that he's got an answer for your situation. If he keeps the planets all spinning on their axis, if he keeps the solar system together like he does and the sun stays right where it's supposed to, if the air that we breathe hadn't been suddenly caught, uh, shut off and we're still here in gravitational force laying our feet down on the ground, if he can take care of of all of that, then why do we not get bold enough to know he's going to take care of me? Weeping, I said, may come for the night, but the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength in the morning. If you trust in God, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, then all of these other things, they're going to be added to you. As I said, he's a good, good father. You can smile through your trials. You may sit back and go, what? You can laugh through your calamity. Not because you're psychotic and you need a doctor. Because you know you're covered. You're covered in mercy. You're covered in grace. Dustin, I wouldn't embarrass you for the world, buddy. I'm going to tell you, you're sitting here this morning because that lady right next to you Never quit praying. You should have been dead. If you'd been left to yourself, I think the calamity would have got you. But I see her and I see your aunt and uncle. I see a church. And I'm just going to add that I've prayed for you thousands of times. 
But because of that, you're covered. You're covered. I tried to kill you, not just once, not even just twice. I tried to take you out. You're a witness to everybody in this house. You're covered. Mercy and grace follow after you. Goodness follows after you. You can shout and you can praise in the midst of going through it because you know you're coming out of it. You can praise him in it because you're coming out. You can praise him when it's dark because daylight's coming. You praise him because it may be bad right now, but good is just around the corner. Because that's the promises of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my word will never come back void. You can count on that. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. I've never seen a child of God who got to the end of their life laying on their deathbed and said, oh, what a waste of my life. I've never had a prayer answered. I've never had supply. I've never had the Lord come through. I've never had him bless me. I've never heard anybody on their deathbed who's ever trusted in God. As a matter of fact, one of the most beautiful things I ever saw was little Alice Wright years ago laying on a bed of affliction and sickness. And she laid there with her little beehive, no, that much hair on her head. And she is a little skinny lady, about 80 pounds, laying in the bed. And here she was at the end of her life. And she looked up with tears and her little blue eyes and her coal white hair, coal white, snow white hair. And she looked up at us and she she started praying over me. She grabbed my hand and she prophesied over my father and over my family and started praying in the Holy Ghost. Then she looked over at Pastor Watkins. She grabbed him and she said, I declare to you and prophesy to you that your, your brothers and sisters, all like six or seven of them, she goes, every one of them will come to know Jesus. They will make it into the ark of safety. God has heard your prayers. And she started praying in the Holy Ghost. Then all of a sudden, she sat up in that bed, 80 pounds, sick, and she looked up, lifted up both hands and started praying in the Holy Ghost, laid back on the bed and within an hour had left and went to heaven. And I want to tell you at the end of it all, her prophecies over my dad and my family came true and every single one of Brother Watkins' brothers and sisters, they accepted Christ into their life before they passed away. I'm telling you, there is a walk with God that'll see results. There's a walk with God that'll see fruit in your life. There is a walk with God that'll turn beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and that you will be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Amen. With a root system that's second to none. No root rot. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for being patient, and thank you for allowing me to preach the message. I believe the Lord wants to touch someone here today. First of all, all of us, it's time for a shaking. I'm asking the Lord to shake me. I'm asking the Lord to shake you as a church, us as a church. I want him to shake us until there's nothing left to fall off. In every carnal, emotional, worldly thing, that takes your attention and your time away from your walk with God. Little girl, thank you for allowing God to bless you this morning. You came down to this altar and 
Boy, you had yourself a fit. But see, they don't know that you've been in that hospital late at night with your little babies. One was taken to heaven and one is fighting for her life and you're there. Every time I've walked up to that hospital, you or your precious mama or your husband is there holding the hand of that little baby as she's growing and she's transforming and she's changing. They don't know how dark it's been for you. They don't know what you've gone through. Don't ever let anybody taunt you or, or, or pick at you because of your, your submission and your surrender to God. The Lord is moving and working in your life in a beautiful way. And you're a mother that loves her baby. And you're willing to go right into the lion's den if you have to in order to fight for her health. Don't you dare let the enemy ever, ever take away from you what you received here this morning. The power of the Holy Ghost is at work in their lives. He's at work in your lives. And don't you dare let this world make fun of you for living a spirit-filled, supernatural life in the power of God. Don't let the enemy... Do the thing. I mean, I'm telling you, I said it earlier, but they, they're protesting everything out there. So I'm like, we got to have a little protest in here. Amen. I'm ready to protest. And I think we had a good protestation this morning. I'm praying for a shaking. I'm praying for God to shake us. I want him to shake off everything that holds us back, Sister Lorraine. I want God to shake us. I want the power of the Holy Ghost to touch us, challenge us. I don't, I don't want us to, to get an attitude towards those who are sinful. Look, would you stop being shocked when lost people act like lost people? Would you get over it? And would you quit having to be so perfect all the time? Oh, well, when you get delivered, you can come back and talk to me. Well, when you get a little better, then, you're, then you can talk to me. Well, I, don't, I can't really associate with you right now because I'm so holy and I just really can't spend time with you. But when you pray through, you come look me up and I'll take you to lunch. Boulder Dash. We got to love them where they are. Not be afraid of the fire. I, I, I want to call us firefighters. You guys are firefighters. You're not afraid to run to the fire. A lot of people say, no, 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 no. Let's not talk about that. Let's not go there. Come on. I'm trying to keep my dignity. I'm trying to keep my persona of perfection up. You see, I'm a Holy Ghost-filled Christian, and I've been in the way for 50 years. Yes, you have. But real firefighters, Sister Elaine, I got your email. I had tears in my eyes when I got done reading that. Beautiful. You love your family. Praying for your loved one. And I'm praying with you, you and Brother Boyer. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing better than seeing the power of God at work in the lives of his people. He wants to touch us. He wants us to be challenged to be a church on fire. A real firefighter goes to the fire. He don't sit back and take pictures. He don't sit back and just, oh, we need to pray for them. Yes, but then go help them. Don't be afraid to sit with them. Don't be afraid to talk to them. Don't be afraid to get in there where it's burning and help them. Because you got the answer, right? Bow our heads for a moment. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, as we get ready to go, and I know I, I always feel, I'll beat myself 
up all afternoon for keeping you this late, but I'm going to learn my best to do it. But if you're here today and you need Christ in your life and you've not yet experienced Him as Lord and Savior, you've not given Him your whole heart, you've kept some back, or you, you made a commitment years ago, but you've gotten cold and indifferent. If you're here and you need a new relationship with Jesus, you need to make things right with Him, I'm going to ask you to pray with me a prayer that from your heart is going to change your life. I just want you to acknowledge it by lifting up your hand and right back down. Are you here? Yeah, I want to pray, Pastor. I want to pray. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? I want to pray. God bless you, son. Is there anyone else? I want to pray that prayer to be right with God today. I want him to be Lord of my life. Anyone else? All right. Thank God for this one. If you didn't lift your hand but you need to pray, would you pray with us? Church, I want you to help me. Let's pray together. Let's... If this is spoken from your heart, remember the heart, the purity of our heart, the real you. If you pray this prayer, the Bible says if a man believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, then he is born again. So we're going to pray this prayer. Pray it from your heart. It will change your whole life. Pray it, church. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. You died on the cross for me. And you rose from the dead. You took my sins. I believe you're the son of God. That when you rose, you conquered death from my life. Be the Lord of my life. And forgive me of every stain. Help me to be strong. I give everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now. I'm going to ask Brother Jones is coming to make a last little remark and, and whatever he needs to do, but I also want you to, to pray. I want you to pray a prayer over this congregation, over our lives, about the reality of this message, the shaking of our hearts. What an amazing time we've had today in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I'm just going to challenge you, if you would, to take some time this afternoon to feast on the things that have happened here. And prepare your heart to come back tonight, 6 o'clock. Pastor Cameron will be uh, sharing the word of God. I'm looking forward to that myself. If you're a first-time visitor here, we trust that you'll go down the hallway uh, to the Welcome Center, right by the bookstore. Visit both of them. It will be just great. And there's a gift for you. Give us a chance to get better acquainted with you and uh, you a chance to get better acquainted with us. Pastor, thank you so much for delivering your heart and a word from the Lord today. Give him a moment to get outside of the doors. He'll be able to greet you right outside. And, um, and Pastor Richard also, one of the other doors and, and others. So uh, please um, see our pastoral staff and express your appreciation to them uh, for all of that. What a great rate of exchange we've had today. <laughs> Praise the Lord, an authentic life, a unshakable kingdom with unshakable people. We are his people. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, we thank you today for the power of your presence in our lives. I know that there are so many demands for our loyalty, so many allegiances we have, so many memberships, so many things we participate in. But help us to know, God, that there is nothing more important than the truth of your word. Nothing we should be more loyal to, nothing we should pay any higher allegiance to than the truth 
And Lord, let your truth reign in our lives. Let us think about the things that have been spoken here, the things that have happened here. We've been in your presence. And oh, what a shaking has gone on. Show yourself mighty in our lives and we'll be careful to thank you, praise you, and honor you. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, hallelujah. Okay, amen. Have it your way. Have it your way.